Good morning. How are you guys doing this morning? Come on. How you doing? Is anybody having a great day? Has God been good to you? Is God doing some amazing things in your life? Listen, I am so glad that you are here. If you believe that God has something to say to you today, if you are opening your heart to hearing the truth of God's word, then I want you to join us in our confession. Just say this with us. I have ears to hear. I have eyes to perceive. And I have a heart that's ready to understand and receive the living word of God. Now, come on. If you believe that, God, and praise God. I am so glad that you are here today. We are coming to the grand finale, the climax point, so to speak, of our latest series. We've been on a series entitled The Tipping Point. And today, and over the last couple of weeks, what we've been doing is learning about the role that our minds play in relation to creating balance in our lives as we learn to align our thinking with the Word of God, with the truth that He reveals to us. Now, the mind is a powerful resource. It's a tool that God has placed in your hands to steward. And he's given it to you and I so that we can experience the fullness of relationship with him, but also so that we can experience what life is really about. I want you to turn with me in your Bible because I don't want you to take my opinion here. I want you to consider the scriptures. And there's a foundational text that we've been looking at over the last several weeks. It's in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Starting in verse 1, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. But hold up. You can't just stop there. If you just stop there, then all you're doing is religion. Because all you're trying to do is give something up for God. You're trying to give something up in hopes that God will give you something in return. And so we got to take this in context and connect it to verse 2. So listen to verse 2. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve. That just simply means to experience what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. I believe that we are all in search of something good in life. But I think that very few people fall short of understanding that all that is good in life can only come from all that God has for you. And so I want you to consider something as we get started today and we close out this series that what you allow to happen in your mind will either build you or break you. What you allow in your mind. Notice that the scripture says that you, you are not to conform, but that we are called to transform by the renewing of our mind. And that word renewing there is important because it speaks of renovation. How many of you know that nothing's going to change in your life unless you undertake the change first? Mm. And before you start trying to change your outer life, and your outer circumstances, and your marriage, and your feelings, and all these things. Something has to change internally. It starts in the mind. And so last week, we spoke about these two pulls that, met, that, that we have to uh, overcome and, and, and lean into one of them. And what we saw was that the Bible says that we're not to conform. In other words, we're not to fall into the mold of the old while trying to take on the appearance of something new. You know that's what happens when we conform? What we do is we take on something 
that somebody else is already doing, somebody's already thinking, something that's already out there. And what we do is we fall into the mold of it in hopes of giving the appearance of something new. The problem is that the old stuff is still under the surface. And it's not going to work. Go ahead and tell somebody, it's not going to work. Listen, I pray that you're hearing this. The scriptures invite us and call us to this place called transformation. And it's where we experience a completely new life. You know, I remember a couple of years back when we started in this particular facility. I don't have time to get into the story, but this building was a mess, right? And so we dolled it up. We took about four tons of garbage out of this building. Some of you, you've been here for a while. You remember those days. Working a 10-hour day, 12-hour day, and then you would come here and work another 10 hours. Yeah, we, would, we were at it. But I remember when the time came for us to renovate our downstairs portion where we have our bridge kids department. And uh, I remember when we got there, that when, we, when we started that process, we had to address a serious uh, issue with garbage and rubble um, that was, and, and a lot of other things that were happening as a result of it having been waterlogged at one time. And so we came in with a team of people, we brought in some contractors, and they cleared everything out. And I remember specifically saying, don't, you know, the bathroom, you know, we just have to pull the walls down. We don't have to pull everything else off, and we'll just throw the sheetrock back up. And so that, that, that particular day, the, the contractor says to me, oh, no, no, we can't just throw up sheetrock. Pastor, he says, I need to show you something. And so he brings me to the framing that was there for the bathroom, and he says, look at this. And he just begins to kind of kick on it softly, and the wood just came apart. And he says, it's rotten. We can't use it. Why do I share that with you? My point with that is that you cannot expect to build a new life with God while using your old mindset. You can't take the truth of God's word and just cover your old thinking because at some point what's within will come out. That makes sense? If it's in your heart, if you believe it, if it drives your thinking, then I want you to understand something that you're not going to get the results that God intends for your life. That makes sense? And so today I'd like to talk to you on the topic of a new mindset. A new mindset. Let's consider the scriptures in Romans chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 1. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do uh, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And he condemned sin in the flesh in order that in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the spirit. So let me just quickly just comment on that for a moment, just give you something to think about. What the scripture is talking about here is that there was a time where people's minds and their lives were governed by an understanding that was connected strongly to the Mosaic law. In other words, their way of of relating to God, of seeking God, of following God, was dictated by these rules. But the scripture says that those rules were never, we were never able to meet them. Why? Because we had an issue where we relied on our understanding of what we did for God in order for God to do something to us. 
The book of Hebrews says this, that God did away with the law and he put in its place a new law, a covenant. It's the new agreement that we have by Christ. And so what's happening is, what, what we're seeing here is that God is specifically addressing something that was going on in the understanding of people. We'll dig into that in a second. So listen to what it goes on to say in verse 4. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Quick question for you. Which one do you want? Chew on that for a moment. Verse 7, the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the spirit. <clears throat> Excuse me. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, in other words, hey, these bodies still are subject to decay. That's just a part of the original fall. These, these bodies, we endure things in them. But watch this. It goes on to say, uh, but the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. Verse 11, and if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. And so in these verses, what we see is the power of adopting a new mindset according to the spirit of God. That means according to the truth that he reveals, according to his guidance, according to the ways, according to his word. And so it's important to understand that the people that were recipients of this of these writings from Paul, as inspired by God, were people in Rome. They were a church that Paul never got to meet. But he wrote to them. And these people were dealing with an issue of condemnation that was inflicted upon them by the Jewish followers of Christ that were among them. These people ridiculed them because they failed to adhere to the old pattern of relationship with God according to the Mosaic law. And so here's what was happening. Yes, we know you believe in Jesus, and we know that God's intent is for your life as well, not just for us. But you still got to do everything that we used to do. You still got to present these rituals. You still got to do all these prayers. You still got to present all these sacrifices. You still got to do X, Y, and Z. And what was happening as a result of that was that it was creating a condemnation that had a deep impact in the lives of all those in that area, in that region, in that early church, to the extent that it produced confusion, it brought division among them, and it led many astray. Thus, God, through Paul, provided them a sure way and provides us a sure way to understand how we reach this place where we experience God's good and pleasing and perfect will. But here's the thing. These verses are important because they reveal to us that what you do with your mind is a matter of life and death. Notice what the scripture says. The mind governed by the flesh 
leads to death. It leads to a dying in your understanding. It leads to a death in your faith. It leads to a dying in your emotions. It leads to a dying in your ability to receive anything from God. But the scripture also says that the mind governed by the spirit leads to life and peace. I believe that there's some of us that that's what we're craving, man. I believe that there are many of us that that's what we're seeking, that we just want to get to this place of peace and stability. We want to be confident in our relationship with God. We want to see results. And what I want you to understand is that what hangs in the balance is what you are allowing to happen in your mind. Maybe you're attempting something new with God. Maybe that's the reason why you're joining us online. Maybe that's the reason why you're here in person because there's something new that you're craving. There's something new that you're hearing. But are you building something new while covering up something old that you have not let go of? It does not work. And it's a matter of life and death. And here's the thing. It's your choice to choose which path you'll go on. And so the Apostle Peter was a guy who was very decisive. This guy was steadfast when it came to his convictions, his belief in Christ, but he didn't start out that way. Listen, during the final moments of Jesus' earthly ministry, after having followed him for over three years, Peter had proven to be one of the most devout followers of Jesus, to the point that in those final moments, he made it his business to say, Jesus, I will follow you even to the death. Sounds noble, right? Man, sounds like someone who's really devout. This guy had even given up his business. He had taken time away from his family, all to follow Jesus. But here's the thing, that as a result, Peter was one of the most accomplished disciples up until these final moments with Jesus. This guy walked on water. I've tried, man. I still haven't been able to do it. I like something that someone said in first service. Not yet, right? There's still hope. But this guy walked on water, man. This guy participated uh, uh, in the healing of the sick and casting out of demons as Jesus designated to them authority. This guy saw Jesus transfigured before his very eyes, and all these things were possible because Peter had a different mindset. Something had changed. This guy was adamant about who Jesus was and what it meant for his life. So let's see how this turned out for Peter. In Matthew 26, starting at verse 31, it says that Jesus told them, this very night you will fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock uh, will be scattered. So here's what's happening. Jesus is telling them, I'm, I, this is all coming to an end here with you. I'm going to be leaving you and you're all going to leave me. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. So Jesus isn't just telling them, I'm going to die. He's telling them, I'm going to rise again. Peter replied, and I believe that it kind of sounded like this. Because Peter was known, if you study his life, Peter was known for sticking his foot in his mouth. So I, I believe it sounded like this. If you don't have to, it's all far away on a car of me. I never will. I never, ever, ever, never, 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 ever, ever, never, I never will. Watch what Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. 
But Peter declared, with you. I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Now, upon reading these verses, what we see is Peter's resolve. We, we get a glimpse of his commitment and his devotion to Christ. This guy was all in. His life was enjoined to Christ to such an extent that he was willing to lay his own life down and never give up on Jesus. I'd like to believe that that's where you are. I'd like to believe that that's, that's what God's doing in your life, that that's the pursuit of your heart, that that's where your faith and your belief and trust in God is taking you. I'd like to believe that like Peter at this moment, many of us are not just followers of Christ, but that we've undergone a drastic change in our life by the renewal of our mind. What we see up until this point is that Peter thought differently. He lived differently. He was walking on a new path. And this was all attributed to an inward change that took place in his heart, but also in his mind. And the reason why it's happening for you is because there's been a shifting in your thinking. And that, that, that thinking, that new way of thinking is, has impacted your beliefs, and it's defining a new way to live life for you. But I, I got some sobering news for you. That can all change. That can all change. Listen to why I say that. Because if you do not continue to govern your mind, then it's very possible we can reap these same results. Listen closely. Peter was with Jesus. Peter was a follower of Jesus. Literally. Literally. And yet, his mind went somewhere else. So let's see what happens here. In Matthew 26, verses 69 through 74, this is after Jesus has been arrested. He's been betrayed. It says, now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard. He's right outside the doors where Jesus is being interrogated, abused, belittled. And a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about. And then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. Watch this. And he denied it again with an oath. In other words, he says, I swear to you. I, what do you call it? Pig, piggy? I, I don't remember those times, man. But I'm sure at some point I have to go through that again with my grandson. Right? I pinky swear. I swear beyond a shadow of doubt. I don't know the man. Verse 73. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you're one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses. And he swore to them, I don't know the man. And immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the words of Jesus, the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Listen, despite his resolve, his commitment, his devotion, all of a sudden Peter's mindset shifted from a mind that was set upon following Christ unto the death to outright, outright denying him. And we have to answer this question. What changed? 
What changed? What happened? How does someone get to that point? A believer, a follower of Christ. And what we see here is that Peter took a turn for the worse when he allowed his thoughts to follow after the circumstances and popular opinion that prevailed in the moment. In that moment, Peter was the oddball out. Everybody else is saying, crucify him. You ever think about what all those people in the square were doing there while Peter was there? I can assure you they weren't there protesting Jesus' uh, betrayal and arrest. They were there for a reason. And Peter finds himself there looking to the left, looking to the right, and going, uh, yeah, majority rules here. And so, yeah, I don't know the guy. But here's the thing. As a result, the scripture tells us that it led him to a place of bitterness, guilt, and obviously a place of condemnation. It was a place of death. It was a place where the, the, all his hopes died. It was a place where his devotion and commitment ceased. And it was a place that also took him back to a past that he thought was long gone. The scriptures tell us in John chapter 21, we're going to go there in a second so you can turn there in your Bibles. The scriptures tell us in John 21 that uh, Jesus had appeared to them many times at this point and Jesus shows up again and they perceive that it's him and so they're sitting down for a meal with him and after eating, Peter's there with Jesus but you got to understand something. Peter was called to shepherd sheep to lead the early church, to help in the building of what Christ had designated to be a necessity and the answer for all the world. And so Peter was supposed to be among sheep, but what we're going to find is that he was amongst fish instead. He went back to his former life as a fisherman. And so listen to John chapter 21, because here's an important point. Peter at this point had fallen. He was down and out. But what we see is that Jesus met him there. He met him there. So watch this. John 21, verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord. He said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Verse 18, very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you, wear, you went where you wanted. Now what Jesus is, is pointing out there is, when you were immature, when you did not know me, you did your own thing. See, that's what unbelievers do. That's what people who don't follow after Christ do. That's what we do when we are not really in this process of renovation in our thinking and a change of heart. And so he says, when you were young, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. 
And Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. He's talking about John. This was the one who had leaned, uh, leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. What I love about what we see in the scriptures is that though Peter denied Jesus three times, Jesus affirmed him three times as he restored him. He met him right where he was. But for this restoration to be complete, it required a redirection of his mindset. Jesus knew that if Peter was to get back up, he had to reset the direction of his thoughts in order to find a direction, a new direction for his life. And through this encounter with Christ, the rest and the rest of the biblical account, if you look at Peter's life, what you'll see is that Peter was able to shift his life from a place of guilt and regret to an exciting journey with Christ that would carry him through the rest of his life. And so listen, that's important because that's true for you and me too. That's true. And so I just want to leave you with three simple things. Now, I get it. Look, this is an exhaustive subject. We could spend the rest of our lives here, and honestly, I don't have the time to teach you that. All in one shot, in one single seating. That's why we continue to hear, and we go from faith to faith and from glory to glory. That's why we do what the Bible, what, the, what Isaiah says in the scriptures, where it talks about you do here a little and there a little, and we continue to increase and we grow. So I can guarantee you that you'll be somewhat dissatisfied because I can't give you everything. But what I want you to focus on is this, some simple things about adopting a new mindset, some necessary things that we must know. And the first thing is that a new mindset, a new mindset depends on what you set your mind to. I'm going to say that again. A new mindset depends on what you set your mind to. Listen, even after Jesus had affirmed Peter and restored him to the call that was upon his life, what we see is that Peter still wrestled with the tendency of looking to what was going on around him. He was still interested on what was happening in Fulanita's life. And Miss Teresa's life, who's always at the window and can tell you everything that's happening. And this person's life, well, it looks so good. Listen, he struggled with the tendency of looking to what was going on in the life of others. We find him questioning what would take place on the journey to come for John. And to this, Jesus responded to him in a manner that we would be wise to consider and adhere to for our own lives. Jesus said to him, what do you care what I'm doing in his life? You just follow me. Just follow me. Just follow me. Listen, we are called to be one track minded when it comes to this gospel. There's not to be a mixing of opinions and input from people and the news and the world's agenda and this or that. Listen, we are, we are called to be one-track-minded. Hmm. 
In other words, Jesus was saying to him, and I believe Jesus is saying to us, just keep your mindset on what I've told you. What I've called you to, what I've created you for. Just stay there. Listen to Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So get what the scripture's saying here. It's showing us something about anxiety. It's showing us something about life. It's saying in every regard, in every area of your life, you're not to worry. You're not to be anxious. Instead, you're supposed to be turning to God. You're supposed to be looking to God. And I'm going to tell you why that's so important according to the scripture. It says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. You know what the scripture's saying there? If you govern your mind in this way, if you adopt a new mindset, then watch what the result is. It's peace that goes beyond your capacity to think. It overrides your feelings. It overrides your emotions. It overrides the opinions of people. It overrides popular culture. It overrides the news. It overrides it all. It takes you far beyond what you can ask or think in your, in your mind. Watch this. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. So watch what happens when you govern your mind in this way. When you turn to God in everything, when you take this one-track-minded approach, it says the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And I'm going to tell you why it's important that we take this one-track-minded approach. Because what you do with your mind and what you allow to simmer there will eventually sip into, seep into your heart and will impact your belief. You know, I can tell you that I didn't just need a change of thinking. For me personally, I needed a complete heart transplant. Because the mess that I came from the mistakes that I made, the dysfunction that I grew up in, what was normalized in my life and in my thinking and in my belief was so destructive that you know what the opinion was of the pastor in my church? Son, there is no salvation for you. You're going to hell, son. So I said, well, I might as well just burn while on the way there. And I lived destructively, and I thought destructively, and I acted destructively, and I, and I destroyed relationships, and I destroyed opportunities, and I destroyed uh, uh, people that tried to help me. I destroyed, it was just a mess. But you see, the thing is this, in our messes, what we have a tendency of doing is pointing fingers as to who's responsible, and if they hadn't done this, and if I didn't grow up this way, and if I didn't have this opportunity, and if this didn't happen, and what I'm telling you is this, I want you to see that maybe, just maybe, just maybe, the reason why you may be where you are, the reason why you still struggle with certain things, the reason why you can't accept the truth in God's word is because you're trying to build something new upon something that's old. 
and it's leaving you in frustration. It's leaving you in bitterness. It's leaving you in anger. It's leaving you in doubt. I would not believe in God either if that's how I tried to build my life. See, as you keep your mind set upon what God is teaching you, doing in your life, and showing you that which is to come, it produces peace. Peace that will take you far beyond your understanding and will guard your heart and your mind. I got to get moving here because I'm over time, but the next thing I want to leave you with here is that failure doesn't have to be fatal. And I'm going to tell you why I'm sharing this point with you. Because the truth, the truth is this, that not always do we govern our minds correctly. We don't. You ever let your mind go to places that you didn't want to go? I mean, stinking, thinking like, like really, really bad thinking. Trust me, I've been there. We've all been there. We're all capable of falling short. And we see that from Peter's life. But what we see also is that when Peter failed in his mindset, it could have been fatal. It could have led to the dying of his faith. It did, as a matter of fact, lead to the dying of his faith to, his, to an extent. To his ministry and to the direction for his life. That happened for a moment. But he was able to get back up. And you need to know that you can get back up too. You need to know that. You need to know that. You can too. Now, listen. There's a danger to not getting back up. There's a danger to staying in the same old stinking thinking. And I don't have time to get into it, but if you look at the life of Judas, in his final moments, Judas betrayed Jesus. Right? He, he, he put, he, he, he gave room in his thinking for the lure of 30 pieces of silver. And he says, man, you know, I'm still following Jesus and I'm still serving Jesus, but let me make some money while I'm at it. And so he betrays Jesus, they arrest Jesus, and the scriptures say that he runs back to the Pharisees in bitterness and in guilt and in regret, and he says, I can't take this money. You got to take this. And they said, listen, that's on you. That's, that's your thing. That's your problem, not ours. And so Judas goes and buys the plot of land where he hangs himself. Why? Because of bitterness, because of regret because of condemning thoughts. But from Peter's experience, what we learn is that the very thing that leads us to a demise in our thinking is the very thing that also serves as a tool to help us get back up. After, and the determining factor for getting back up is a willingness, like Peter, to accept what Jesus has said. Just follow me. Just follow me. You know, if you just take a moment to tune into your thoughts, it'll tell you who you're following. Even right now, our thoughts are taking us somewhere. And we got to be careful with that because sometimes our thoughts become the very filter that strains out the truth that God is speaking to us. And you got to get this. Right now, you are having a moment with God. 
of God. Hear his heart. Just follow me. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm your life. Trust me. Follow me. Go where I'm taking you. It's evident that Peter was down after his denial of Jesus, but he was not out. And although he had denied Jesus, what we see is that Jesus could not deny himself. Why do I say that? Because he remained true to his love for Peter and his purposes for his life, and thus he restored him. And there's a restoration that God wants to give unto you, that he wants to empower you with, that he wants to show you. In Psalm 23, verses 2 and 3, we have the writings uh, out of the very heart of a man named David. He says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And you got to get this, that David was a man of many faults. Thus, in verse 1, he's talking about walking through a valley of the shadow of death. And even there, God is walking with him. But watch why God is walking with him, because he's leading him to green pastures. He's leading him beside quiet waters, and he's refreshing his mind, his understanding. If you study the life of David, you'll, you'll find that he always got back up because his heart and his mind knew where to go to. He always went back to the source for his life, for his success, and for his calling. He always turned back to God. And so even though this guy made grave mistakes, even though he had blood on his hands, this guy always had a confidence that, that brought him back to God and always revealed to him the path of righteousness that was set before him. The last point that I want to leave you here is simply this, G-I-G-O. And you guys are going, what in God's name are we talking about? You know, way back in the days, I'm not going to say way, way back, but way back enough, right? Way back enough in the days, there were these things that originated as computers. And they were very telling of what would dominate and what would be necessary for today. They were Apple computers. That was a lot funnier in my head, but okay. Sorry, I'm an Apple guy. But anyway, listen, back in those days, I think I was like in, I don't know, third grade, second grade or something. And you know, it was back in those days where you would use MDOS. Any of you remember that? Right, you equal sign, you know, and you, anyway, I, I get it. Some of you are a lot younger than me, that's all right. But back in those days, they taught us something, and the example that they used was this term called garbage in, garbage out, G-I-G-O. And it was the simplest way to teach us as elementary students of how computers worked. The principle was simple and yet profound. What you input into the computer is what you will get out. And the same is true about your mind and minds as it relates to living with a new mindset. What you put into your mind, you will pour out of your life. I'm going to say that again. What you put into your mind, you will pour out of your life. 
And so listen to Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, because for some of us, we're waiting for God to change our mind, and we're not realizing the power that he's equipped us with. In verse 8 of Philippians 4, he says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, he's talking about everything that is true about God and the truth that he's revealed to us. The truth that's available to everyone, whether you believe in him or not. And so he says, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Question. Where are you thinking? Where's your thinking at? Are you overwhelmed with the weight of responsibilities? Are you overwhelmed with fears? Does your thinking take you to places where you already know how the story is going to turn out before you even walk in the room? You already anticipate the worst. You're already expecting it to not work in your favor. It's very possible that for some of us, that's where we are. It's very possible that you see yourself in such a negative light. It's very possible that when somebody compliments you, you're the very, you're the very first person to knock yourself down. And I submit to you that if that's where you are, it's because you're ingesting garbage and thus you see yourself as garbage. You believe the very worst about the very best opportunities that God is placing before you. says think about these things what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me practice these things and the God of peace will be with you I want you to notice something that before he tells us to practice these things something has to be happening first in your mind in your thinking it's time to adopt a new mindset God wants you to live with this peace. That word peace there in the Greek is the Greek word irene. And it's, it speaks of a state of tranquility, of exemption from rage and havoc of war. It speaks of security and safety. It's prosperity and the blessing of God. And this is what God is saying. When you think on me, when you think on the truth, when you're meditating, when you're allowing my word, where, what I'm showing you to impact your thinking and seep into your heart and change your belief, you'll be aware of all that is available to you because I'm with you. You'll know my peace. Let's stand here today as we close here. I'm reminded of a story that I once heard and it's very important because I know that for many of you man you're not necessarily stuck in this area you're full of the word you're intaking the word you're you're seeking the word you're talking to God but listen closely listen closely because you're taking it in, your purpose and your goal is to get it out, 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 get it out. But there's a danger to just simply intaking the word for the purpose of getting it out. And I'm telling you that from personal experience. 
I'm just letting you know. Story goes like this. There's a baker and he opens up in the neighborhood, man. And, you know, he, he, he's baking his bread and, you know, he has great dreams and aspirations to, to grow his business. And so he sets up in this little neighborhood and, you know, the first day he opens up and as people are walking by, they kind of, they smell the bread and they're like, wow, man, that smells good. That's good stuff. And so they kind of stop in and they, you know, get, pick up a, 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 one of his breads and they buy a coffee. And before you know it, the news spreads like wildfire. You got to check out this guy's bakery, man. It's good stuff. It's called the Gospel Cafe. And so all of a sudden, he went from one or two people walking in the first day to having lines wrapped around the block just waiting to pick up their bread in the morning. And one day, one of these people who started off as a casual customer who had now become a regular customer notices one day and he says, are you okay? And he says, yeah, I'm fine. He goes, you look like you've lost some weight. And he says, oh yeah, just been busy. But busy doing what? Busy baking for everyone else while not feeding yourself. And it's time, ladies and gentlemen, that while you are passionate about this gospel and giving it to others, that you make sure that you are drawing nourishment from it every day yourself. Thus, I love what Pastor Ness said in the beginning. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Man, there's good in store for you. There's great things in the gospel. And there's a new mindset available to you and I. But it depends on how you choose to govern your mind. You can't put something new what's the old there. I believe that there's some of us that we need to really undergo this process of healing with God before we try to build anything for the kingdom. You know why? Because hurt people hurt people. And God wants you to heal and be whole so that you can give people healing and wholeness. Amen? So right here, right now, as we close out in prayer, I want you to just take a moment with God. Listen, yeah, I'm going to pray, but you take a moment just to talk to God. Just to measure the weight of, of, of where your thoughts are and, and to just, man, if you need to turn to God, then turn to him. Right here, right now, make a commitment, make a decision. Start closing off some of the channels, start tuning some things out. Lord, we come to you in the mighty and precious name of Jesus. And Lord, we thank you today for your word, which is truth. Oh, it's powerful truth, Lord. It's truth that you guarantee sets us free, and it gives us a freedom that is free indeed. We can enjoy it, Lord. Lord, I declare over your people this day, every person tuning in, every person within the, 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 the reach of, of these sound waves, of these videos, of this moment, the people that will share the gospel, the people that will share what we're getting today, Lord, I pray, Lord, today, and I declare over them, Lord, that in the hearing of your word, that faith has come and it is producing great things in their life. I thank you, Father, that today you are ministering, ministering to our hearts and to our minds and that you are opening our understanding, Lord. I thank you for the freedom that is released in our homes, the freedom that is released in our mindsets, the freedom that is released from those things that have kept us bound, those thoughts that have continually just come in waves and waves and beat us. Father, I thank you that today, Lord, we stand in the truth of your word and that we truly walk into all that which is new.
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We turn our hearts. We focus our attention upon you, Lord, this day. It's very possible that there's someone here today, or maybe you're joining us online, and this is all new to you, or maybe you, you've known Christ, but it was, there was never nothing fresh and new about it. It was just religion. It was just rules. It was just somebody beating you with the gospel. And so you developed a bad taste. I don't blame you. So would I. So would any of us. But today you're hearing something different and new. Today you're realizing that you've been building something that appears to be new while leaving an old frame in place. And thus you've reaped wrong results over and over and over again. I'm telling you today that you are not done. I'm telling you today that your day of transformation and change is here. I'm telling you that today, from this moment forward, there is a new life available to you. But it all begins with the first thing that you'll do in your thinking and in your heart with the message of the gospel. The crux of this message is simply this. You and I cannot do anything in and of ourselves to deal with sin. And so God decided, I'll do it for you. He came in the form of a man. He paid the penalty of sin by dying and rising again. He guaranteed that you and I can rise. If you believe that today with us and you are ready for life change, if you are ready for transformation, if you are ready to pursue all that is good and pleasing and, and perfect according to the will of God, then right here, right now, make this decision with us. Join us in prayer as we come before God and declare this with us. Say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died and you rose again. And I believe you paid the price for me because you love me. Man, oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man. I pray you get that today, that God loves you. That he's speaking to you and that he's reaching, to, reaching out to you right now. So if you believe that, say, Jesus, I declare you're my Lord. You're my Savior. And you are my God. And from this day forward, you are the way, you are the truth, you are my life, and I'm looking forward to, to the better things. Come on now, if you prayed that, we're celebrating what God is doing in your life. We're thanking God for all he's done, and you don't leave here without telling somebody. Message us if you're online, let us know what God is doing in your life. Now, Father, we thank you for Jesus, we thank you for your word. And all that you've done in us today, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey everybody, God bless thank you so thank much you so for joining us here at Church of the Bridge we'll today. See you again next I Sunday. pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.